Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Alberta IoT. A huge thank you to Brenda Beckendorf and her team for the work they're doing to establish Alberta as the worldwide center of excellence for the Internet of Things technology. Okay, before we go any further, IoT, you say? In an era of acronyms, it's never been easier to get lost in the weeds of jargon. Let's start with the basics. What is the Internet of Things? Well, IoT describes the network of physical objects, the things, that are embedded with sensors, software, and other technologies for the purpose of connecting and exchanging data with other devices and systems over the Internet. Thank you, Google, for that definition. Let's take it one step further. Think the smart thermostat in your home, the Apple Watch on your wrist, all the way to the remote sensors on a piece of equipment 100 miles from the nearest town. We are surrounded with sensors in all aspects of our life, and with the evolution of the internet and our ability to bring all of those sensors together and then to process large amounts of data, the Internet of Things is being used to make our lives better, safer, make our companies more profitable, and the list continues. Alberta IoT was founded in 2017 by a group of passionate Albertans and has grown to over 175 member companies. These range from startups to established organizations who are pivoting and expanding into this exciting sector. At the core of the Alberta IoT approach is the ability for leaders to share a common voice and to support each other to grow as an entire sector. We are stronger together, and Alberta IoT has provided the platform and essentially the ability for these companies to come together to share that voice. From their fast track program to their work with government to helping increase visibility for local companies, they are at the intersection of this amazing growth opportunity. Join me as I chat with some of the zebras and soon to be unicorns in Alberta who are helping to put our province on the map as a global leader in IoT. To find out more about Alberta IoT and its member companies, as well as upcoming events, please visit their website at www.albertaiot.com. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Ms. Tara Cowling. Good morning and how are you? Good. Yeah, very good. Starting to, to feel festive, which is nice. It's been a busy year, so it's nice to hit this point of the year and go, oh. Yes, Christmas will be long behind <laughs> us by the time this airs. So for everyone, this is the week week before the week before Christmas when everything seems to be shutting down. But I, I agree, this was the week where there was all the lunches and dinners and, and hangouts and it does seem to be slowing down. I think people are taking some well-earned time, yes. time away this year. And now we're they're going to be listening to this in January when they're now they're getting the maybe not so well-earned credit card bills yeah. and all those, the hangover <laughs> items. So let's not talk about that. Too. Exactly, exactly. First Christmas first, probably went by fast. <laughs> Yes, as, 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 as it does. We're talking about the future in past tense, but yet it's the future. Um, we're, we just jumped into an elevator and we just met and I said, Medlior, tell me a little bit. What's the, what's the, what, we got 30 floors. Tell me a little bit about what's a, what's a Medlior and we'll, uh, we'll kick it off from there. Yeah, for sure. So we're um, an independent research organization here in Calgary, Alberta. Um, so we're a bunch of researchers, really, a little group of research nerds. Uh, and we do research for mainly pharmaceutical companies, so they tend to have a lot of research questions that they need to be addressed. And so our team um, is a group of very experienced researchers, uh, all have like masters or PhDs in health sciences. So what we'll do is, based on the question that they're asking, uh, work with them to develop what's the best method to answer that question, and then we'll go off and, and do that research to be able to give them some answers. So really we provide evidence to inform decision-making, um, but the, there's a variety of evidence out there. So depending on the question that they're asking, um, there's many ways in which we can provide them with some answers that will hopefully drive some decision-making. And ultimately our goal is to improve patient care. Um, so we work with them to really provide information that will inform and improve patient care. I think we only got 22 floors out of that. That was good. That was a very efficient use of elevator speech time. Uh, 
this is, and let's make the tie-in right away for the audience. This mm. is part of our, uh, our partnership with Alberta IoT and our promotion yeah. and really trying to bring awareness to, you know, first off, what is internet, what is the internet of things, but also mm. all of the different, I've talked to so many different companies along this journey and hopefully my audience has listened to some of those episodes. There's so many worlds that that applies into that. I think also it's easy to like, we, we yeah. drown in a world of acronyms, right? Especially here yeah. in Western Canada, yeah. I know a whole bunch <laughs> of engineers, they speak in code all the time. So talk to me a little bit about, obviously, you're, yeah. you, you were part of the Fast Track program with yes. Alberta IoT. So maybe talk about, because your your world revolves around the data that you're able to collect yes. and the quality yeah. of that data. And the yeah. majority of that data comes from some type of sensor or collection device. Exactly. So maybe just walk us through how IoT makes sense yeah. in, your, in your business and how you see those and even how it's evolved over the last couple of years. For sure. It's, it's really funny because I, I do think of us as a tech company. And I think a lot of people are like, really? You know, because we think of tech, you know, being a lot of times uh, websites or, you know, platforms and things like that. But I do think it is using technology um, and, and, you know, that gathers, you know, information from, as you say, a variety of sources. And that that information that, that you've gathered through technology is being used um, to change, to, you know, inform change on any level. So our change, rather than consumers or customers or things like that, um, the change we're looking to, to make is really, again, in healthcare and, and in patient lives. So one of the big areas that um, of business that we do is working with um, patient data. So really large data sets um, and analyzing it statistically um, to be able to inform that decision making. So one of the primary sources of data um, that we'll request is health system data. So we will go through the uh, research process of preparing a protocol, going through ethics, then applying to um, Alberta Health, Alberta Health Services um, to request data um, on you know, the study that we're looking to do. They'll provide us with anonymous de-identified data, but it's okay. huge, massive data sets um, that we then you know, have a very sophisticated statistical software program that will analyze and pull together this massive data to be able to, um, as I say, really inform decision-making, really kind of let people know. So as an example, um, a lot of times the studies that we do um, will be a drug company and they'll have a new treatment for asthma um, that's coming out. And for them to really be able to speak to physicians and patients and government of like, why, why, would, why does anyone want this new therapy? Um, they'll work with us to understand, but who has asthma? So we'll go to the, the health system pull that data, and then we can tell them, you know, this is who the asthma patients actually look like. So, you know, in terms of male, female, age groups, current treatments, what other conditions do they have? How many hospital visits do they have in a year? What types of procedures might they be having so that they can really see what's the best position for this therapy? Who's going to benefit from it the most? And that actually helps both sides. It helps the company know how to, you know, position and market, obviously, their treatment because they know who in the population of asthma patients is going to need it the most, but it also and who helps the government. would actually get the fuel, get the Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it'll help the government go, well, this is who we're going to pay for it. You know, we're not going to pay for it maybe for everybody, but these people, they really benefit from it. Okay, let's, let's put, make sure that these people have access to that medicine. So it's, it's really neat from a technology perspective because it's huge data. It's big data that has to go through very sophisticated types of, of analytics to be able to produce very, you know, concise, simple, accurate results that then inform decision making and, and sometimes more often than not actually change the way patients are being treated, uh, which is really exciting for us. I think that's really where our team kind of um, gets excited is, is doing these studies because they matter. 
It's not just doing a study for the sake of doing a study, which can sometimes happen in research where it's sort of a, mm-hmm. an, this is nice, you know, okay, we know Re- about Research this. for the sake of research. Yeah, it's really kind of right. going, well, why are we doing this? Okay, what's the best way to answer that? Okay, get that data, analyze it, and then, you know, being able to report it in a way that can really help inform that sort of change, which I think is really, really exciting. So yeah, we, we are a tech company mainly because of the um, large data sets and the, the type of um, analytics that we're doing uh, in-house. So it's, it's really neat. I appreciate because listening to your elevator speech, I don't immediately would have jumped to tech company. And I'm, you know, yes, clearly this yeah. has been a conversation you've had many times. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't a tech company, a bunch of researchers, but let's think about what yeah. we're doing and what yeah. the data. So talk to me a little bit about the data because I've had a lot of people mm-hmm. on the show and they're like, yeah, it's great to talk about AI and machine learning and all those things. Yeah. But if you don't have the data, it's all about the data. It's all about the data. It's all about the data. So but when you're getting these data sets, these data sets weren't collected specifically for the individual use cases you're putting them through. Like you're getting no. a large data set. You've yeah. got to then assort it, clean it, get yeah. it. And also talking about, again, I've had, I've attended lots of workshops and they're like, well, bias in your, that's baked into your data. Yeah. So I'm curious, talking about yeah. the world of data a little bit, because I think we're all hearing about it in every company For in one sure. way or another is going, geez, we have this pile of filing cabinets virtually, yeah. d- digitally. What do we, what do we do with this information? Yeah. Especially if you didn't collect the data when you, you collected the data when you didn't always know what you were going to use it for. Exactly. So what's exactly. that like and how's that changed over the last couple of years? Yeah. No, it's, it's really exciting. Like patient data is huge. Like this is a huge field. It's massively growing. Um, and it's only going to continue to grow because I do think people are starting to be more informed. We all have our Apple watches or our Fitbits. That's data. That's data that we would actually use for our research. So it's funny how patients are, are I think, getting more informed and more involved, you know, in terms of their data and how that data, you know, is used. So the example I was speaking about with the health system, that's collected to run hospitals. That's not actually collected for research purposes, but we can use it for research purposes, which is super exciting. So there's that element to it. And in terms of bias, it's mitigated by the fact that these are hundreds of thousands of patients. So one of our last studies uh, was on cardiovascular disease, and it had 281,000 Albertans that were captured by this data set that we were reporting. So it helps with those biases a little bit because it's so big, this data set, it's like population all of Alberta. Um, it helps with some of the biases. The biases can sometimes be more, you have more risk of it if you've got a smaller population of, you know, fewer people, then it's kind of like, eh, is this really what we know? And then the other type of data, which, you know, you've kind of touched on here, which I think is most, what most people are excited about is like, how do I use my Apple data to help my, my patient care? So we also, the health system data, because it's collected for running hospitals, for running the health system, it doesn't have everything in it. Um, it, the things that it lacks the most is really understanding how severe people's diseases are. We may use like a proxy of because you're on this treatment, we think you're at this stage of your kind of condition, you know, or because you've had this many hospital visits, ooh, you maybe have more moderate, you know. So there is some disease. assumptions kind of built There's into assumptions, that, just right? At the volume exactly. that it's participating in. Okay. Exactly. So the other part that we do is we collect it directly from patients themselves. And again, that uses technology because we've got very sophisticated platforms um, where, you know, it's like the surveys that, you know, many of us have, are well familiar with surveys and, you know, you're filling it out um, kind of thing. But there is also that opportunity for patient journals, which are captured electronically. Um, the wearables that we have are Apple Watches, Apple devices that can just collect data in the background. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity now to collect like really rich data like this is really good because the end of the day how do you feel is still a very important question 
And we don't capture that through the health system in any way. So you can only know that by asking patients themselves. So there's opportunities now to link those data. So again, getting really into the sophisticated technology of it, not only do you have these massive data sources from the health system, so we pull the drug data, the lab data, the vital statistics data, the health system registry data, the emergency room data, the hospital data. These are all siloed, and we have to stitch them all together through people's personal healthcare numbers, which are scrambled. So we don't know who anybody is, but that allows us to match everyone across these data I appreciate that you clarify that because I think that immediately, especially when you talk around the healthcare, there's a lot of yeah. people's backs go up immediately. Oh yeah, because there's for, sure. Privacy, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's true, right? And, and, and privacy is very important. And that's why these types of studies, all of them, even a survey, has to go through ethics. You have to have a, a reason for collecting it. Like it has to be legitimate research that is patient-centered or is going to improve the health system. It can't be for commercial gain in any way. There has to be a benefit to patients or the health system in order to get ethics approval. And then the other part of it, too, which is really important to our team, is publishing it always putting this work that we do in the public domain so that people can see, you know what, we requested this data, we have published it, this is what we found. And that's super exciting for, for Medlier as well, being in Calgary. The One of the best parts of my job that I've always found quite thrilling is we work for global companies. So our Alberta data studies that we're out there publishing can inform patient care, not only in Alberta, across Canada, but across the world, patients are patients. So a lot of the times with these studies that we're producing, people in other parts of the world are improving their patient care because of the data that we're able to collect and analyze here in Canada. And Alberta's health system data is world class because we have a single healthcare system. Alberta health system. It's not, it's not as frank. Even though you've got all those silos inside of it, it's not different exactly. health regions that collect it differently, uses different ways of collecting exactly. it. Exactly. We have we have better from a research perspective, um, better data than uh, the you know, many of the other provinces um, because they're still regionalized. They don't have that sort of population level uh, data. So I call it small but mighty because in the grand scheme of things, like 4.7 million people ain't that exciting. But because we have population level data thanks to alberta health services and the amalgamation of our health system actually we can do some really great research with that data because it is a single health authority so yeah it's kind of neat seeing your work go out there and to the public domain and you know know that it could actually help patients in in other parts of the world you know based on well i think this is just one of the many examples of of interesting things that go on in Alberta that none of us yes. pay any very little attention to or know about. I'm always looking for points of pride, so I'll take it. Exactly, so, exactly. Thinking no, about, I love, I love you touched on, you know, I have so many questions, but the, the, just bring it home. Yeah. And Brenda from Alberta IoT has used this many times. She goes, it's your Apple Watch. Like it's, you know, I immediately yeah. go, oh, IoT, the sensor out in the, like detecting yeah. methane out in the field. Yeah. You know, we live in a very industrial an energy-based province where there's sensors literally everywhere from one end of our province to another collected to the satellites. Like we've been doing this for years. It's just now evolving to this IOT space. How much are you seeing the, you know, you you touched on it, the data that now I'm collecting as an individual versus, because before I didn't own my health data, the hospital kind of owned it. It it feels that way. Just that. And you know, all of a sudden now I've got this incredible, like I've got my, my, my dashboard literally like yeah. it's my gas gauge, it's my RPM, it's my resting heart rate, it's my yeah. HP. There's so many things that are on there. 
it, it, are we just on the early days of bringing all that together? Because it feels yes. like it's becoming yeah. more mainstream. Yeah. So then the next thing is a complete yeah. picture of you as the, is like it, individualization. Exactly. Is a whole exactly. Level. I think, you know, we, we're definitely getting into that precision medicine. And it's because okay. we have so much data and this type of research that, that Medlier is doing, right? By, by looking at the health system data versus like a clinical trial. Clinical trial is a very specific population because they need to know, does, is it the drug that's making the difference? So that individuals in that trial have to not have a lot of differences amongst themselves. Otherwise, oh, is it because of your age? Is it because of your gender? Is it because yeah, the, you know, the you've scientific already had these medications? Yeah. yeah. So the cool part about our research that we use with the health system data is everybody. It's the pregnant women. It's the adolescents. It's the seniors. It's the people with multiple conditions. So we're getting into that precision medicine because we're able to kind of take your profile and go, okay, you know what? Like, here's all the key key details around you, your risk factors, maybe, you know, the, those sorts of um, key criteria that might affect, you know, how a treatment works for you. We can put all that in and go, boom, this is the treatment you should be on. This one's going to be most effective for you. Before, we didn't really have that kind of information. And we're still on the cusp of this, of really understanding at an individual level, you know, the right. This is the whole kind of idea behind precision medicine. It's getting the right drug to the right patient at the right time. And it's really individualizing that. So you're not just going, I'm just getting this treatment that in this clinical trial it worked, even though none of those people really look like me in terms of you know my demographics or my history. So now we're getting more precise because we have this massive data that we can analyze. But as you say, the next piece of that is your is your own data, right? It's that data you're collecting through your devices or that maybe you could just record, you know, on a daily basis to really kind of individualize your treatment. So one of the things that I'm sure we all know and love now is our QR code here in Alberta. Um, and part COVID, of that- COVID did save the QR code. If anything positive, the QR code was long dead, I think in North America, but COVID yeah. really, like, brought it back with a vengeance. And I actually love it. I don't want, you don't need to give me a menu anymore at the restaurant. I'll just scan the no, code, it's fine. Right? But I know, the, and, I know, and, that's another podcast. Oh, about, yeah, right. you know, and, and, and initially- how, how COVID saved the QR code. Exactly, exactly. And initially how we got to that was through the My Health Alberta portal. So a lot of people had to register for that. And that's been um, you know, in the works for a long time. So a lot of people don't realize, actually all your lab data is right there if you'd like to go take a look. Your vaccine history is It's right amazing there what is there when you go, go when you actually take the time to open yeah. it up. I know. And people don't necessarily realize it's there. And so one of the opportunities, you know, I can see coming along is people being able to upload um, their device or wearable or maybe other types of um, data, especially if you have a condition that may need that type of information where it may inform your treatment that having that opportunity to upload that data. And so, you know, again, from a machine learning perspective, it could be analyzed and it could there could be flags that get pulled out of that because we have 15 minute appointments usually with our family doctors. It's not enough time. And so if you had this ability to pull this data together, including your wearable data, your family doc, you walk in the door, just it gets a readout of, hey, these are the things that need to be discussed. These are the flags. Mm -hmm. Um, incredible, you know, whereas before they'd just be going, oh, how are you feeling? And you're like, fine. But it's like, no, your Apple Watch is different, you know, and how do you get that conversation going? So interesting. It's like old sci-fi of, I think, I forget what, what movie it was, but you get up, go to the bathroom in the morning and your toilet literally gives you a readout of all the things you need yeah, to Yeah, right? It, that's where, where like, we're going. So where, that's where we're going. Like, we're, we're not even going. What's the joke? The future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed. We're already here. Yeah. It's just now yeah. how it... I like what you... That was a really interesting point you made about, 
you know, side effects of COVID. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. that's maybe a bad way to say it. Yeah. Secondary things that happened, yeah. uh, my health, and then a whole yeah. bunch of people now registering. And now yeah. all of a sudden, like, you know, as a marketer, you know, I, I, you look for that thing that's going to push people over, but yeah. the easiest way to do it is following a cultural trend that's already happening. Yeah. You have to trade the trend. It's very tough as an organization to go, well, yeah. geez, if the population is already going this way, how can we kind of get on board with that? And yeah. COVID drove us all in a direction, probably more together than we've ever been. Let's again, yeah. try to find the, try to find the positives, but the outcome of that is more individualization yeah. and taking away that rate of perceived how I feel, which is very yeah. subjective and it's, and it's full of all kinds of influences versus the data is the data. And if yeah. it's your own data, you're also going to trust it a little bit more because that's the device in your wrist. Exactly. That's an interesting when you bring IOT kind of back to yeah. this being a technology play. Yeah. So how much is, are we like on the early, like I can only imagine like from five years ago to now in your business, are we like, are we 10 Xing? Are we like this massive acceleration of oh, yeah. where we're going to yeah. be five years from now versus yeah. where we were five years ago? I think so. And and a lot of it is coming from, you know, these new therapies that are, that are coming to market that are very innovative, they're, but they're very personalized. They're very expensive. They're very innovative, but they're very personalized. So how, like as a society, how do we deal with this? It's like, well, it's by giving it to the right people, not by giving it to everyone. How do we know they're the right people? So even the pharmaceutical industry is paying a lot more attention to um, supporting different types of platforms like the devices, you know, um, obviously, you know, Johnson and Johnson, Apple watch, Pfizer, Fitbit, like they're starting to get into this. They want to identify the patients who are going to benefit from their therapies and, and how can they start to get that type of information? So I think when you have that type of investment and that type of almost business case for wanting to have this type of information follow the money as they say <laughs> it's the money like let's be yeah. honest it is because with the money you can make these types of um, tools or technology more user friendly maybe even more fun and then you get people engaged with it and wanting to do it so i do think this is this whole idea around patient information like there's a great there's a great example i read one time which i really loved and it was sort of saying you know, the doctor was like, I have five years of medical school. And the patient's like, I have 20 years of living with this disease. You can't compare. I have 20 right? years of being me. Yes. Yes. Right. And so it's it's basically trying to say, you know, patient centricity, patient voice. We have to listen to the patient in terms of what they know, but not what necessarily we are finding through some of our more kind of clinical exams and things like that. We need patients to be able to tell us how they're feeling and then to try and figure out how they're feeling and all of their symptoms. And then, you know, how does that match with that clinical data? Like, you know, there, it's, it's a very complex thing, but there's definitely a realization or a, an appreciation now for that patient sort of data, the, the information only patients can give you. How do we get that? It's incredibly like resource intensive to interview people or do surveys. Like mm -hmm. the more we can automate it and have that just being collected in the background where it's not, in, you know, it's no fuss, no muss for the patient, but you're getting really rich data um, that you can then really help and inform their care. And in our experience, you know, a lot of times the patients that you're trying to get this data from, right, they have a condition, right? There's there's a reason that this data is needed. They're quite happy to give it. I mean, they want it to be used ethically and obviously not sold or anything crazy yeah. like yeah. that. There's an but underpinning if, of, of all those. Yes, things right. This all has to be about. done on the up and up. And, and most healthcare researchers, you know, are very you know, very, very good and very serious when it comes to this area of data privacy and, and respecting the data that's being provided. 
Um, but, you know, generally speaking, patients are really happy to provide this data because it's like, oh, if this could improve my care. I want to contribute to the solution. Yes. For like, myself. what do you want to know? Let me tell you everything, you know? So I'm, I'm all, I, I'm all in on solving this problem with you. Yes. Yes. And this is where technology comes in. This is where technology comes in. And I do think this is a massive area of acceleration of how can we get this information just more quickly, more efficiently, you know, more effectively. So it's not a hassle for the patients. It's not time consuming. It's not resource intensive, you know, but we can get this like really good data um, and be able to do things with it from a research perspective. So yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool area. I think we're going into as, That's as it. citizens. <laughs> it's, I had a friend recently who, who had to get an ablation. And so it was yeah. like now months later and they had to do follow-up. So she had to go to the hospital and get fitted with like the heart rate monitor and the blood pressure that would go off every 20, 30 minutes for 24 hours. Yeah. It, said it was a quite jarring experience, but it was interesting to see like that. It feels, it felt like almost like there's the analog version, but eventually it's just going to be on her Apple watch. Like it's yeah. like, okay, we're almost there. And it still looks yeah. a bit clunky and it looks a little bit outdated compared to these pieces of like high tech that we yeah. wear and carry around with us. But it was exactly. interesting. And she had been, she, this, she's, she's my living example because she's a close friend and she was chesting, using a portable uh, ECG, EC, EC, ECG monitor and collecting all the data and then sending that to her doc. And, and there was interesting things about privacy and how she was able to mm -hmm. send it or not send it. So yeah. it feels like we're still kind of fumbling our way through this bridge yeah. between the patient and the healthcare system. But I'm excited. Yeah. But a year will go by and we'll leap forward. <laughs> like that's oh, the yeah. exciting part yeah. about this. Yeah, exactly. And I think our, our as a society, we're getting more technologically advanced. I mean, we all managed mm -hmm. to download our QR code. So gosh, imagine yes, what else we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it could be things like <laughs> not knowing caring. how to use your tech is not acceptable anymore. I, it's not, is it? Oh, how right? does this like, work? Sorry. I'm like, come on, figure it out. <laughs> you got to figure years. it out. You got to do it. Well, there is the registry office. <laughs> yes. Yes. There is a conversation here, which is not really probably in our preview, but there is that in inclusion or that risk. And I, um, I've had uh, Jim Gibson from the School of Advanced Digital and from Thin Air Labs on the show a couple of times. And he said, you know, one of the biggest risks we have as a society is who do we leave behind? And when I hear you talk about technology and access yeah. to things like Apple Watches and Fitbit, there's a portion of our population and we live in a very privileged part of the world. Let's be clear. Yes. You know, uh, but there's still a portion of population that maybe doesn't have access to those things in the same way. But what I may be hearing is that but if we get enough people that do, we can get yeah. enough quality data that everyone will then benefit. It's kind of yeah. what is that? Am I, I'm, I'm interpreting my own kind of version. No, of no. And that it's a, it's a, it's an extremely fair point, right? It's in terms of who has the access to the technology in order to be able to gather this, but it is true. Like if you're able to gather it from, from, from enough people, then you can still profile those individuals to go, okay, based on, you know, I think that one of the things that I really love about the, again, the health system data um, is that equity piece, right? Because it's not only these populations of including the pregnant women and the seniors who aren't included in clinical trials, but it's also one of the studies we're doing right now is looking at distance from hospital and how does that actually affect your treatment, your, you know, your care, and then your outcomes. Just, just access to care. Yes, right? And I and I do think these are really important questions that that we need to be looking at. And and I think, you know, from a technology perspective, you know, people who live more rurally, oh my gosh, technology can absolutely help. The fact that they have to drive, stay overnight just to have a specialist appointment is crazy. You know, if we well, can you, start you, you don't more... You don't do it. You put it off. You like yeah, snowstorm, yeah. it's minus 30 out, all, all those all those exactly. We also take for granted. We live in a city. We have high speed internet. I, yes. I don't wait for my, you know, I had yeah. someone on yesterday chatting a little bit about it and he was talking about, you know, if you look at IOT, the, the growth is going to happen because of 5g in the next, in the next yeah. few years, it's going to be yeah. exponential because yeah. now we can get the data and the tech 
from yeah. anywhere to communicate at a speed that we couldn't before. Exactly. So it does feel like we're in this perfect storm of like yeah. all of these things are starting to snowball because yeah. technology is caught up with yeah. the need and the desire. It's, it's, I, I get really excited Absolutely. about it, but it can get really overwhelming really quickly if you kind of, you yeah. know what I mean? There's lots of rabbit yeah. holes that go down. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think patient care has been in the dark ages, like not, not biotech, but actual patient care. The fact that, Back to the you individualization know, like, and that thing. Yeah. We're still using facts between the hospital and the, and the, and oh, the yeah. physician. I, like, I, I know no. a few people that rant about that, the amount of money and budget that's spent. I think if it's the crazy. average taxpayer knew the budget that went into fax toner, they would like, yeah. they would, there'd be a protest. It's like, what? You know, and again, if you, you think spend how banks, much on fax toner, yeah, what, what? They're, they're, and then the other half people go, what is a fax machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Our audience that? is like, what, what are these two old, what are these two old people talking about here? This fax machine. But, it, but it's phones. true. Right. And I look at other industries that have very <laughs> sensitive data, like banks, They've managed, you know, so it's it's really I think COVID may have also helped spur on a lot of technological advancement in patient care, which we'll really see the benefits of, you know, the, the being able to see your doctor over Zoom, you know, being able to use secure email platforms like BrightSquid, you know, to be able to generate, you know, that level of privacy, but better and easier information sharing. And then just for the health system in general to, you know, have an opportunity like with the My Alberta Health Portal, you know, to share patient data with patients directly, you know, other opportunities. We're moving over to this epic platform this healthcare system's really invested in. And all of this is around advancing how we can, you know, share data and increase the quality of data to improve patient care. So I do think COVID has given the health system a nice little nudge, you know, in terms of it was maybe a, a, a maybe need a swift, to have, maybe not a, a good, nice a good swift, a good swift kick. Right. Squid is such yeah. a great example. I, I know the company and, and, and the work they do and their secure mail and how it seemed like such a great idea that just wasn't getting the traction that all yeah, of a sudden COVID, right? COVID like, came this along. This is great. I used it as a parent as a business for one of my like, kids. And I was like, yeah. this is fantastic. You can email me. <laughs> Another another example, again, as, as the general public, we don't necessarily always realize it's no. you can't just send an email with Google no. with your health data. It's, no. it's, it's it breaches privacy laws immediately. Exactly. Because, you know, as an individual, I'm like, well, why can't you just message me like everyone else that I deal yeah. with? Yeah. But because of, you know, and then something like, you know, what Brightsquid was doing and then COVID uh, just brought them right to the forefront, which I think is another great example of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. OK, how fast can we get to it? Like one day to the next to the next. Day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As, as a business, and, and you've been running this business for for quite a few years, how has it been for you keeping up with the level of change? Like, I just always appreciate yeah. there's change fatigue, there's reality. You're dealing with industries that are going through massive change on both sides, yeah. running yeah. as fast as they can to keep up. And you're yeah. kind of playing the middle of that. But you're yeah. also a business. Yeah. You're also running a business, you're hiring people, and you're yeah. advancing your own protocols. How's that been for you over the last couple of years? Is it, you, you, have you had a yeah. good night's sleep recently? <laughs> uh, well, it's been, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot, you know, the last two years. Because I think, you know, for us in the type of work that we do, um, the, the data, the big data has become increasingly important, uh, mainly driven by a lot of the, the government organizations now wanting the pharmaceutical companies to provide this real world data, not just the clinical trial data, it complements it. Um, and because we're able to do this and Alberta's got such strong data, we've seen a huge surge in companies coming to us like we need data, we need data, we need data. So for us as a business, it's been more kind of scrambling to build our capacity to do these projects. And actually, this is an issue across the planet is uh, data scientists, right? So it's it's not. Isn't it one of the number one like jobs like that? And like a it full is. Stack developer it is. Or like yes. The two, yeah, the two things it right is. Now? And. So I think that's just a big challenge for everybody is having the the capacity, the people with those skill sets who can work with this data 
Um, it's, it's definitely a really big challenge. The University of Calgary started the Center for Health Informatics a few years ago and have a new master's degree program um, for data science. And it's not just health, like it's, you know, you can go into different streams like agriculture, health, like, you know, there's a few yep. different type of streams, but it's like, oh my gosh, we need to, we need to upscale fast, you know, and I think Canada is really focused in Alberta, obviously on tech and, you know, really helping with those opportunities. So we've had a lot of funding opportunities to hire, you know, students that have these tech skills. We've used the digital skills for youth program um, and other types of funding opportunities to really help us with um, hiring and training, you know, <laughs> new students <laughs> in terms of these yeah. big data studies. And it's like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot here. How much have you, and curious, are you guys, are you guys in office or are you, are you remote? Like, I'm just curious, where is your team, is your team everywhere? Are they, Our are team they, is now spiral? everywhere. Yeah, okay. we're Kelowna to Sydney, Nova Scotia now. So we're really nice. spanning Almost the country coast, coast to coast. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, definitely. So we're definitely just, you know, hiring, you know, the best people, as it were, regardless of sort of where they live. Well, don't you love that you can now hire the best people and it actually yes. quote, doesn't matter where they are? I yes. think that we, we've also gone full remote. And the people that yeah. are also are attracted to the fact that we're full remote as well. Like it's a different, yeah. you know, there's all of us that were forced into it, whether we wanted to or not. Yeah. Now there's a new wave of, com of that's yeah. coming out of it. And I love it because, you know, again, we can't always find the best person for the best thing in Calgary. Yeah. It almost feels like I'm just limiting myself. And now yeah. that I've seen what's possible from a recruiting perspective, I would struggle to yeah. go back. <laughs> I would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we kind of use a two pronged approach where we, um, really try and work with the universities here. So the U of A, U of C, Mount Royal, a lot of student internships, you know, but at the end of the day, for a lot of the skill sets that we need to hit the ground running, we're having to go out of province sometimes to find that. And I do think part of it's just population size, how many people are physically here that, you know, have these skill sets and, mm -hmm. you know, are potentially looking for jobs. So for us, um, yeah, we've definitely, you know, been recruiting across the country just for more of that sort of senior level and experience um, you know, people. I'm, I'm hearing that across the board and we're a smaller market. Like it is what yeah. it is. It's, it's a strength until it's not right. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, everybody's really well connected and we have a, such a tight community and I find people yeah. are very willing to support each other, but I've always, yes. I've heard from a lot of tech companies. Once you get to that mid and senior level, it's hard to get somebody who's done that thing for 10 years when that thing yeah. didn't really exist here before that. Like, yeah. Let's be, be, be blunt. Exactly. So curious. I know you were part of the fast track program and I've again, yeah. talked to everyone I've had on the show as, as focusing on IOT has been in that program. How was that for you? And how was the benefit of sitting around yeah, the room with companies was, that are doing completely unrelated things to what you're doing? I <laughs> but love maybe, that. But maybe not, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love it. I love, oh no, they're all very, very different. Um, you know, I usually find, you know, when I'm in these sorts of networking um, groups in the province, I was like, life sciences, you know, the the only one, you know, which is which is fine. Waving, you waving, know? Your, waving your flag, loud and Waving proud. my little flag. And and they're great. Like you, you can always learn from other businesses. Like there's so many areas, you know, that you can always learn from other people. I really like the fast track program. I thought it, I, call, I called it kind of business 101. And even though I've been doing this for 14 years now, I still learned so much, you know, because obviously things change, you know, so there's you know, areas on, you know, exporting and current trade agreements with other countries. So how does that work? You know, legal IP, you know, just so many different things. And even the more kind of marketing and sales aspects, like, I mean, that's probably my primary job. And, you know, I, I do my thing, but having some experts come in, go, here's some thoughts. We're like, it was really like, whoa, yeah, that would be, that, I should do that. You know, so got pages of notes <laughs> from these sessions. Well, and as a like, business owner, and if you're a business owner or a senior leader, even in a large organization, you spent, it's yeah. a lot of time with head, head down, ass up doing the work. 
And exactly. it doesn't always give you that thinking time. And, you know, yeah. I've been in executive groups for years and the comment's always been, there's somebody in this room that stepped on the landmine that you're about to step on. So not only like, and that's a bit oh, dramatic, yes. but I do appreciate yes, that because we all step on risk mitigation yep. as a business leader yeah. is right up there on the top of the list. Oper- maximizing opportunities and not stepping on landmines exactly. or stepping on or as, as few of them as you can. Yes. And I think <laughs> I do believe Hopefully. it. I, I, it's, the I don't have time to take out of my life to go do those things, mm-hmm. I think can be a real, uh, I, I believe it, but at the same yeah. time, you need to make the time. So you know, oh, you I, do. I'm just resonating you do. kind of flying yeah, that and flag of getting out of your own little bubble. Yeah. And what, one of our core values is keep learning. And I think that applies to everybody, you know, and for me, it's like, keep learning about our market, (laughs) keep learning about, you know, how to run a business, keep learning about, you know, our clients and what they're looking at, what do they need? And yeah, that the program was amazing. There were so many, it was so diverse in terms of what was presented to you and all these different aspects of business, but hearing the questions that the other companies had um, would also, you know, send off light bulbs where it's like, oh, I never even thought about that, you know? So it was nice to be in a group format as well. And it was small enough that you kind of got to know everyone, you know, and, and what their businesses were. Um, but it was great to have those different perspectives and those different questions being asked and sharing experiences, sharing our landmines with each other. So. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much about business. We all do, what we do is unique, but yet business yeah. still has, con- there's consistencies, there's similar problems. And absolutely. Like that. And everyone I've chatted with kind of said the same thing. They said the strength of the room was that it was so diversified. You weren't yeah. just with your peers or somebody yeah. who was, you know, whether they're a competitor or doing a similar thing, it's yeah. that ability to go, huh, how could that thing that you figured out actually apply yeah. to my business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or is that landline you stepped on? Could I step on that? Is that, is that something I could be doing? Oh shoot. You know, let me, let me think about that. And And we often um, bury our own landmines. We just forget where we put them. (laughs) Exactly. And I I love Alberta. I really do. It's, it's just phenomenal to be, to be a business owner here. It's so entrepreneurial. Like it's so supportive and not only by like the business community, but I actually, you know, through my experiences have found like the, the public sector side to be very supportive of, of, you know, especially small Albertan businesses. You know, we obviously work with the ethics board. We work with Alberta Health. We work with so many faculty and physicians at the U of C and the U of A. And they're kind of like, you know, like it, it, I, I just find it so supportive. People want you to succeed. They like what you're doing and, you know, you're Albertan and OK, yeah, OK, see what you're trying to do here. How can I help you? I don't think if I was doing my business in many of the other provinces, I would have had this level of success. I think I probably would have just ended up being like a little one man band consultant. I don't think we could have grown and scaled to this level. It's really because of that supportive community that there is in Alberta for for entrepreneurship, for small businesses, for people who have that kind of, I got an idea, I want to do this. And people going, yeah, okay, you know, how can we help you with that? So I'm always amazed, you know, and, and sometimes I'll, I'll need something. I'll need someone. And I don't know who they are. And I always joke. It's like, yeah, three people away. It's Alberta. You know, if yeah. you talk to three people, chances are you will get that connection. You were in Ontario. Oh, my gosh. That's too big. How could you ever get connected? And people are so friendly here, too. I mean, that's the other part that always well, I do believe this mind. is our superpower. And I've had a few people say, well, yeah, it's like that in other places. I know I've lived in other places. And yes, there's great <laughs> communities and I've met great people. But something about Alberta, and I love what you said. And when I moved here from out east, so I came yeah. with an outside perspective. And very quickly, yeah. I recognize, like, 
if you can show value, someone will give you an opportunity. There isn't yeah. a scarcity mindset. There isn't the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll get back to you. People were straight up. They're like, you know, I don't need, mm -hmm. I, I don't need this, but I know so-and-so that does. There was a willingness to help because I always yeah. believe this pro province has had a sense of abundance, which leads yeah. people to not kind of want to go and take their yeah, toes and go exactly. home. They want to share it with other people. Yeah. And that doesn't exist in every in every market. It's a no. little bit more, if, well, if you get it, then I won't get it and that kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't find that here at, at all. Like, of course, there's pockets no. of it. There's good and bad everywhere. Yeah. But for the most part, there is a willingness. Yeah, yeah. I, I would argue, I don't even know if it's three people. I think you could talk to one or two people. <laughs> if you know like, the right people, sure. I know, yeah, fair, too, yeah, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Uh, I've had someone on the show and they said that they a study and, it, and Calgary was 1.4 degrees of separation. That it was actually oh, a factual it. thing, not yeah, the six degrees it, of Kevin Bacon. It's a 1.4. You will know somebody so who knows true. you. But I our, like your if you, yeah. Our clients are always amazed. About Alberta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're always amazed because I'm like, oh, I can go speak to that person. They're like, can you really? I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'll try. And more often than not, you know, I'll get a response. And they're out east going, people talk to you, and it's like they do. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a They're cast. We don't have a cast system in business the way that they do in other places. Exactly. Even, exactly. even the show, we've had over two hundred guests. I think you're going to be number like two oh six, two oh seven. People are like, how do you get guests? I'm like, it's so easy. Because one, you just reach out, or somebody calls me and says, "Hey, you know, who you should talk to. Talk to this person. Yeah, oh, let yeah, me introduce yeah. you to them." Like, yeah, you know, it would be like you know, run out of people to talk to. I'm like, there's no shortage of amazing people in Alberta to talk to, and they're all willing to talk to you. To your point, yeah. I think there's a lot of validity to that, and programs like the fast track program where they bring people yeah. together. I love that. They're yeah. not bringing this, not just industry focus. It's here's the concept of IOT and how we can yeah. all benefit. And Absolutely. I do see, like, I do believe in their mandate that, you know, yep. Alberta can be a global leader in, in IOT yeah. excellence. And I Absolutely. Real. Yeah. And, you know, no one better qualified than us, even in our energy background, but to hear now your world of yeah. healthcare and, you know, where we do have a competitive advantage just because of yeah. the nature of the DNA of how it's set up here. Yeah, those are the absolutely. things you just don't know if you're involved with it. Like you don't see that no. from the outside. So I appreciate right? you brought that forward. Absolutely. Our competitive advantage is, yeah, we're small, but we're mighty because it's all joined. And that's, exactly. I, I never really thought about it that way too short. Yeah, exactly. And, and even that other layer of having that, you know, amalgamated, you know, population, you know, health system and data, it's also the collaboration, you know, of the physicians and the faculty who are in Alberta and their willingness to talk to you, to collaborate with you. Like all of our studies always have a clinical advisor. They always have a physician or like, you know, and or sometimes multiple as well as, you know, university researchers. And it's this wonderful environment of, you know, you're asking a question everyone wants to know the answer to, and you're able to draw on that expertise of the data looks funky, what's going on? And the clinician's going, yeah, that's not how we put it into the system. Make these changes. And then you make the change like that looks better. You know, so you really need that kind having of those, you know, having those experts there to give you. That exactly. Funding, like, and, and they're just they're so friendly. They they want it. They want those answers. They want to, you know, be part of this research, too. And I don't know, it's it's an incredibly um, it, it's an incredibly fantastic environment. And having you know just the IoT program, like who thought of this? This is fantastic. If you want, you know, especially a lot of more of the. The startup businesses, we're more in like a scale-up position, which is still yep. fabulous to get that support. But especially if you're in a startup position, like that type of a program, oh my gosh, I would have died to have had that 14 years ago, even 10 years ago. But I think that's a really good point that it's like, I've talked to companies that are 40-year companies that are pivoting and scaling yep. and complete like they're, it's the startup inside the 40-year company, which exactly. I think there's a lot of that going on. Pivot is another yep. is the word, that other word that became incredibly popular in the last two years. <laughs> but you're right. That's, I really find it interesting. And that was one yeah. of one of the gentlemen I talked to said, he goes, you know, I'm sitting in the room with a startup over here. So they're learning, but he goes, we're also looking at their level of like 
well, we like there's no limits to what we can do because we're just we have ideas and you know you get to a 40 year company sometimes your governance and your ways of doing things are a strength but they can also sometimes hold you back yeah but, you know being around that startup the six month energy of a startup yeah. versus you know where you are in a scale up yeah. position no, I yeah. think it's very interesting and I'm uh, I'm incredibly bullish on Alberta but Tara after talking to you I'm I feel super positive about about, <laughs> about Alberta right now you, this is a very good like oh man I feel I feel awesome and I think that that's it's so important that we tell these stories because oh yeah the, yeah of why be here the, 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 you know the everyday media doesn't always tell here. these stories yeah it's, it's not just the mountains. <laughs> No, we do have a quality of life here. I think, you know, Calgary sometimes is the best kept secret from some of my friends in Toronto that <laughs> are paying a million dollars for a 500 square foot condo. You can come to Calgary and get a lot of value for your dollar over here. So I actually talked to a friend this morning in Toronto and a, and a few of his friends kind of early forties have all sold their homes, cashed out yeah. and are moving to Alberta Yeah, because yeah. this home they bought for 600 grand is now worth two and a half million and they can come here and for half the money buy twice the home. And it's just interesting yeah. those stories. And I, I think that we are still a little bit of a best kept secret, but stories yeah. like this and innovation in multiple sectors to be known for agree. beyond the energy sector, that's yeah. what's going to keep driving. That's what is not going to, that is what's driving the city to be, Absolutely. you know, I was talking to someone yesterday uh, and he said, you know, it's, it's going to stick this time. Like, the, you know, this diversity so. thing is, it's, yeah. it's going to stick. And I choose to I be very optimistic so. about that. Mm -hmm. I, I feel optimistic about it because even the pivot from oil and gas, you know, I think to tech is very strong. You know, we have a, ton of engineers here like these are incredibly smart well-educated data-driven people, people. Like, and, love, and the energy sector is going to continue to play but yeah. let's have more horses oh, yeah, in the exactly. race it's like, not going anywhere thing. yeah no, they're pivoting right and they even are. just that opportunity for and, and for them as well to be more tech driven to be you know getting more into the iot space themselves so i agree i think just having that focus on on technology in alberta and really really you know providing those supports and and you know just the different types of funding and things like that that we're doing i feel very optimistic about it i mean even from our company's perspective you know the story where it's like i forget what percentage it is but let's call it like 50 percent of the jobs 10 years from now don't yet exist and i truly mm. I, do I think believe that's true. i think this stat is scarier than that i think it's it, it's scary but it's true like i have yeah. you know a, a 10 year old and 11 year old i'm like well i'm not gonna ask you what you want to be when you grow up because it probably doesn't exist yet you know so it's just like have fun let's see what you know wh where we are in 10 years i love that you're right it probably doesn't exist yet that's such a the yeah. right. that's so interesting. and so as a company you have to have that mindset of where you're constantly going is into the unknown it is into this unknown like possibility in terms of you know, how technology is going to evolve and impact your business, you know, and it's probably in ways that, so you can really have these far flung kind of like wish upon a star. This is what would be really helpful. How do we do that? We don't know how to do that yet, but if you just keep your eye on it and kind of can see that evolution and where you're going, I think as a company, you can be really successful and you can just constantly not even trying to stay ahead. It's almost keep up with where we're going with technology and the yeah, staying, staying ahead is almost a bit of a misnomer because staying ahead of yeah. what, you know, we're maintaining, exactly. I love some of the, you know, post-secondary and I had, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank right now? Uh, Margot Purcell on from Inception U and talking about their learning model is based on learning a learning model. And it, you know, you can learn anything cause you're going to have to be adaptable and resilient yeah. and like those things that really make yeah. us effective versus yeah. I studied this thing and I'm an expert in it. Oh shit. It changed. Yes, because <laughs> exactly. Well, that's an interesting reality that you, 
unfortunately, you need to get excited about it because if not, it can really it can really overwhelm you. Because like you said, Absolutely. I want to plan the future, but I I don't know what the future looks like. Exactly, exactly. No, I think it's fun. I, I think yes. it makes life interesting. I, I choose to jump on that train with you as well because the alternative is not is not fun. Oh, I know. It's like let's just see where it goes. Yeah, no, <laughs> just and, ride and along work, and work our asses off in the process. So yeah. I thank you so much for coming on and sharing one your enthusiasm for our province. You've left me like just, you know I'm bullish anyways, but you've made me very enthousi- enthusiastic. And congratulations on the growth and success of your organization. Thank you. And I love that at the end of the day, you can draw a straight line to patient care and to yes. better outcomes for our population and around the population around the world that yes. we're farming out our information that everyone can benefit from. I think that's something exactly. to be sources of pride. What's the best way? Well, to uh, uh, metalior.com so people can yeah. check you out online. If someone wants to reach out to you or get in contact, what's the best way? Oh yeah, um, definitely. You know, medlier.com has got a contact page. We're on LinkedIn um, as well. So connecting through that and then just, you know, connecting with me personally, I'm always really excited to meet people. So I'm just tara.cowling at medlier.com. So yeah, definitely happy to be connected um, with anybody, you know, that's interested in what we're doing. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for sharing your story. Oh, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Have a good day. (laughs) Bye.